This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, five ninety nine. Brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter code iFanboy at checkout to get a trial shave set for free. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy. And by Boomerang. Watch your favorite cartoons on demand. Go to boomerang.com slash promo and use the promo code FAN for a free trial. And I found my listeners just like you. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99 problems, problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. Rap critics saves money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap of toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. Got beef with radio, if I don't play they show. Hello, my, my fanboy pick of the week. It's episode 599. My name is Patrick Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. It's like Christmas Eve around here. And Josh Flanagan. He's back at Hazleton. Uh, well, he's, he's struggling. The list of addictions would be too long to cover on this one. We only got one hour. So <laughs> let's, everyone, just, let's just send him good vibes. Send him your, your thoughts and prayers. Just be thinking yeah. about him. Yep. He's going to do it this time, Connor. I got a good feeling. He's going through a lot, but he's determined to make it back. Hey, listen, if there's anywhere to be, it's Hazelden. So hopefully Josh will be back for the big anniversary show next week. We have make no promises. It's a lot of that stuff's hard to kick. We are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book and call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, patron pick, listener mail, all kinds of fun stuff happens on the show. Because, Ron, it's all about having fun. That's all it is. Here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. I can't think of any major ones this week. There may be one. Exercise some caution. This week, Ron, you had the pick this week. And listen, I was just as surprised as you were. (laughs) So the pick of the week this week went to Manhunter Special Number 1 from DC Comics, which is, what is this, like the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth book related to the celebration of 100 years of Jack Kirby. Uh, Jack Kirby's birthday is like... Is it today or is it tomorrow? It's it's soon. Next week? It's sometime. It's very soon. Also, this is the fourth one from DC, but Marvel's also doing it now that they've patched up relations. So there's a lot of Kirby books flying around right now. A lot of Kirby going on. And so we talked about a lot of these. We talked about the Sandman special. You know, there, there have been other ones, right? And I've been enjoying them. But for the most part, they've just been like, oh, this is like a fun little trip down memory lane. And, and it's like it's nice to see these creators taking their stab at it. Um, and the backups have been interesting, like the Newsboy Legion one, like the, these you know old Kirby stuff. It's always great to see old Kirby stuff. Yeah. But then I opened up this one, and there's a double page spread in here, that yeah. that starts the book off, and I and literally I hurt my neck. I I I I, it, it, I turned to look at the page so quickly, and then I realized that it's it's Keith Giffen doing layouts and Mark Buckingham doing finishes, and I don't know of any better person to do Kirby-esque like, comics than Keith Giffen uh, working in comics these days. Well, we know back from OMAC yep. in the New 52 that also this is, the scripts are by Dan DiDio, we should point out. Yeah, no, no, I was going to get to that, but yeah, go on. Okay, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, my point is that OMAC team, which was Giffen and DiDio, was fantastic. For my money, they are the two guys doing Kirby tributes the best. I mean, we've, we've yep. got a lot of them going on. There's even a Command D book, which we'll talk about Commandy, Connor, Commandy. Commandy, Commandy. But for my money, Giffen and Didio are doing the best tribute stuff. And and Mark Buckingham's art was so good over Keith Giffen's layouts. 
this was a joy to read this issue. Two masters, and like, yeah. and here, and here's the thing: is like, I, I'm, I mean, we did enjoy, we did give credit where credit was due, and we enjoyed that OMAC series, and we gave kind of kudos to Giffen and to Dio for doing a good job on it. But I honestly, I never would have thought the day where here I'd be saying, "I hey, fanboy pick of the week," written by Dan DiDio. Right. But I, I'll give him a nod. Is that is that his dialogue worked in this? But I'm giving the majority of the credit to Keith Giffen, who is just a, a one of the living masters that that we have with us. I think uh, you know, yeah. and it's great, you know, and it clearly, you know, like he does, he does more layouts these days. I haven't seen him do finished pencils in years. I don't know if he can still, but he knows it. He gets it. And Mark Buckingham is also one of the great artists, you know, after that great run on fables and all that sort of stuff and them working together, knowing exactly how to do it, you know, where to lean on the shadows and the, and the lines and all this sort of stuff. And not to mention that I love the Manhunter costume design. <laughs> well, and I haven't seen this costume design sing like this in a long time. Well, you know, I don't know a ton about the Manhunter. My most exposure to him was in the 90s when the Manhunters were, you know, Green Lantern yeah. villains, the Millennium storyline and stuff after that. I didn't know the Manhunter was a character, you know. Yeah. I didn't know it was a Kirby thing. Like, I didn't get the relationship between him and Sandman. Like, I guess they're both heroes, but Sandman doesn't think he's a hero, so. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's funny because it's like, I, again, I also don't know much about these this era the kirby era manhunter yeah. or sandman i put myself in the position of like maybe golden age or like honestly it was kirby in the 70s doing golden age right right so so i really feel as if it's like golden age characters with a little bit of that 70s anti-hero you know kind of lens over the over the work and get the sense that manhunter is a as close to a punisher like character in the golden age and sandman is here in more like a daredevil or batman and robin kind of with little sandy you know and like this is not how you do it this is how you know we do it right and you're doing it wrong and that's the nature of this the, the majority of the conflict of this book and even manhunter even calls it out it's like oh we're we gonna fight and then team up i don't do team ups <laughs> and it doesn't take the typical comic book kind of angle it just right. truly is you know you know a hero heroes that don't agree one doesn't agree with the other one's methods and the and that leaves the manhunter questioning his methods. And then at the very end of the book, he realizes you know he stops a woman from getting mugged by knife point uh, outside the Brooklyn Bridge, and he, and he remembers why he's doing what he's doing. And that last page is just great. That last page was just like that, like you could put that in a frame. Wow, I didn't realize that manhunter was a character from the forties. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he's a Simon and Kirby character. Yeah, it yep. is a really great design. Which is uh, the opposite of the Sandman costume. <laughs> yes, which is as as generic as it gets. Which is funny but that was his costume in the Golden Age, though, wasn't it? Well, it says here that didn't you used to wear the gas mask and a hat? He did, yeah. But then he sw- then then they switched to the more uh, original, you know, the more superhero kind of look. I think. Either way, uh, um, the Manhunter design is wonderful, and the way that Buckingham draws him with those Kirby shadings. Yep. No one else uses. This was just fun. I mean, it's a quick little one shot where. The Manhunter is, he's a man who hunts. He started, yeah. on the, he started in the Serengeti, and then he moved to the dangerous game of all, which is man. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's fighting criminals. He runs into Sandman and his sidekick. And these are this is, of course, uh, the traditional Justice Society Sandman. I thought one of the funniest running gags was that Sandman's sidekick, Sandy, was completely incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> he would just he would keep attacking Manhunter. Manhunter would just slap him away. <laughs> At one point, he slammed his head into the ground. Like a, like a suplex. Yep. Then they have a little, you know, the characters fight, and then, you know, Sandman sends Manhunter on his way. But as you said, Manhunter goes to stop one more crime at the very end. I thought this was terrifically fun. And then the second story drawn by uh, Steve Rude, who we saw twice this week, was great, too. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that like what was great about these specials is that there's so much content. You know, you get you really get three kind of stories out of it. You get the main story, which was just a delight, and then uh, an Etrigan the Demon story, which I love. Etrigan. Etrigan's a, a character that I not. I mean, by love, I don't love him like Cyclops, but I like when I see him. You know, that sort of thing. But seeing Sam Humphries and Steve Rude team up on that was great. A, you know, to get a double whammy of Steve Rude art, and we're gonna talk yeah. about that later in the show as well too, is always a pleasure. But of all of these specials. This one had my favorite Kirby reprint material, which uh, wasn't so much the, the story, the, the first story in the beginning, but there were several pages of Kirby yes. doing Just Imagine, and it was Kirby's interpretation of the future. And the first one was, you know, Just Imagine, the rocket lanes of tomorrow, and explaining how we're going to use rockets to travel around the world, and there'll be a rocket tunnel that goes from, uh, it looks like Maine, to China. <laughs> That cuts right through the middle of the Earth that will, you know, allow us to transworld tunnel via rocket. And there'll be a Department of Space and Invention with all this great Kirby, you know, kind of Kirby tech and that sort of thing. And then the second Just Imagine is Just Imagine a World of Thinking Robots. <laughs> and it's talking about how robots will, will be our secretaries and they'll be our football teams and they'll be our maids. And it ends with Kirby script, handwritten, get ready for the robots. <laughs> well, he wasn't wrong there. No, he wasn't. Yeah. I love the panel of the robot taking dictation from the guy using an old-time dictation machine. Like, there's a yep. we have the technology to make the robot, but we can't. We don't have the technology to make the dictation machine any better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I just, I just love. And, and this is this is just like you're you're basking in Kirby greatness, and this is just was such a delight. And as I, you know, I read through the bunch of books, and there was some good, really good stuff this week. The stuff that I really, really enjoyed. But when I look back at, it, I'm like, man, that Manhunter drawing looked awesome. Robots, awesome. I'm going to give it to Kirby. So this is our own little tribute to the king. We wouldn't be here without Jack Kirby. So uh, thank you, DC, for celebrating his legacy. And to Giffen and Buckingham and DiDio and Humphreys and Rude and Todd Klein. And, and oh, the cover by Bruce Tim. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's just, it's this is a great package. And I just wanted to take a moment to kind of uh, highlight it and congratulate them for doing a great job and truly doing uh, justice to uh, Kirby's legacy. Yeah, no, this I, this was terrific. I read it last, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, a lot. Like from the, you're right from the cover to the very end, to the Mark Evanier essay in the back about Kirby. It was all fun. I really liked yeah. it. Just worked on every level. Worked on every level. So good stuff. So I might have been surprised, but I wasn't shocked. Yeah, no, it was surprising, but not shocking. Like once right. once you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah. I gotta say, going into the week, I thought I thought the pick was going to be Generations: The Unworthy Thor and the Mighty Thor number one, mm-hmm. because on paper. Jason Aaron, Mahmoud Asrar, mm-hmm. Jordi Belair, mm-hmm. Apocalypse. Ah, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but Kirby edged it out by by inches. I, I thought of you know I'm I'm coming to terms with the nonsense of this generations thing. <laughs> well, you don't have right? any choice. Don't have any choice. But I thought I thought actually I thought I thought Jason handled it very well. I thought that we got much more instead of the past two have started with the modern day character blinking into the past character's existence. Right. And Jason Aaron did not choose to start that way. We started by getting reintroduced to the unworthy Thor, but he's unworthy not in today's terms of unworthy. He's This is young Thor, right? Yeah, so he's not yet worthy to fully lift Mjolnir. He can only lift it a few inches. Also, wearing the classic Thor costume, which I love. Yes, which, which I also like the, the commentary on that because that is referred to as his formal wear. And he's, <laughs> tugging, at, he's tugging at the collar going, oh, I hate this formal wear. You know, he's, <laughs> I hate the damn formal wear. But he's uh, being forced to be the true prince for Odin, and there's a gala welcoming uh, up in Asgard. And but he hears uh, prayers, people praying to him, and turns out his his loyal Vikings are 
have traveled south and discovered Egypt, and they right. need a hand because they're fighting apocalypse. And so uh, that then you know the the game is afoot, and then all of us out of nowhere comes Lady Thor or the Mighty Thor, Jane Foster, and uh, they they question each other's existence, and then decide to team up and fight together as as they would. <laughs> I just thought this was great. This is this was re- it was re- really well done. Well, it, it helps that you have the regular writer on the on the book, the guy who does the voice better than anybody right now. It helps to have an artist like Mahmoud Asrar, who is yep. really terrific. I mean, these are like continuity minefields, but who cares? I've enjoyed them more with each of these issues. Like the Hulk one is completely inexplicable, although it was good. Uh, the yep. Jim Gray one was uh, it was fine, and then the what was the one before that? That's it. This has just been these three. Just these three. Hulk, Jean Grey, right? Or was there one? Oh, Wolverine. Wolverine was... Oh, Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine was good. You loved it. I really liked Wolverine. This was great, too. It reminds me how much I miss Jason Aaron writing the Thor characters. Right. This was fun. This was great. Yeah. I feel like of all the characters, Thor might be the one to, like, haul off and just whack another version of himself, but... Yeah, I mean, like, to question it as some sort of witchcraft, or which he does, or or a mystery, or whatever it is, but I guess in order for this book to work, they've got to go with it at some point. Right. You only got 20 pages, so they can't really... (laughs) Deal with any kind of. Uh, I feel like this is longer than twenty pages, was it? Or yeah, where are we at? Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's a little longer. It's like twenty. It was. It came in like thirty pages or so, twenty-nine pages. So, how did you feel about the ending in which? Well, that's the, That was what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Well, that and also I like the fact that the Vikings returned victorious with the uh, the Sphinx's nose. <laughs> yeah, I did like that too. Yeah, that was funny. So the end, we see uh, Odin out on an asteroid talking to the Phoenix Force. Yep. And she's a sexy lady, Phoenix Force. Well, it's not only him talking to the Phoenix Force, it's him basically, you know, booty calling an old lover, yeah. Phoenix Force, you know, kind of lamenting that. And this is a preview for what's to come with Jason Aaron's, uh, what, what is it? The Marvel Legacy. The Marvel Legacy, which is the prehistoric Avengers or whatnot. And so I guess that Odin and Phoenix are on that team and they, they, they're a hot item. Literally. Literally. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> I love this because it's nonsense and it's crazy. <laughs> and like we've established that the Norse gods are cosmic entities, right? And Phoenix is a cosmic entity. So like right. it makes sense on on paper, like in the rules of the Marvel Universe. I think it's it's the kind of ridiculous like we've been talking a lot about how these are comics, we should have fun, they should be ridiculous. It's yep. the kind of ridiculous that is right up my alley. Yeah. I read it and I was like, Well, that's that's weird, but all right. Yep. It's a new twist on things, you know? So that's fun. I don't know enough about the Phoenix Force to know if it took sexy human form before Jean Grey, but I guess it did. It has in, oh, through the years. It's appeared in it's appeared in sexy human form before. I haven't seen it, you know, making out with any bearded men, but um hey, we all have a type. <laughs> well, that makes sense that she would be into Logan then. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So, in Daredevil 25, two important things happened, I think. One is the easy one, and that is it appears at the end that he's going back to his classic red costume. Yes. Now that the Defenders is over. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> which I was confused by at first. I was like, wait, is he... What? Yeah. The other thing that happened is Matt Murdock wins his case before the Supreme Court, meaning now superheroes in the Marvel Universe can testify at criminal trials. Right. And I feel like that is a major thing that they've just done. Well, and if if that is a major thing that they've done to fuel a future thing, I will give them credit and kudos for that. But yeah, whether or not this is just for the sake of the story or if this means something, but it sure seems like it. I want to see the future story in which, like in an issue of Defenders, Luke Cage can't go on an adventure because he's got to prepare for court. 
Right. <laughs> Listen, I've got the subpoena. And then he's like, fuck you, Matt. I hate this. I didn't have to do this before. <laughs> Listen, the amount of red tape that goes on in superheroes' lives just went up. <laughs> it's like those cop shows where I always like, I got to go to court. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the art was a problem. The art the art was a huge problem, almost to the point where I almost stopped reading it halfway through. But then I was like, 25th issue, let me go through with it. And, you know, Alec Morgan, uh, as the artist, I don't want to say is bad because I don't think he, uh, you know, like everybody has talent. You know, everybody has a different thing they bring to the table and different style and all this sort of stuff. But for the 25th issue of Daredevil and of the style that we've been accustomed to, and the art that we would expect on this book, which for, maybe that's on me because I expect like a you know premier kind of artist or you know kind of what Garney was doing was was extremely unique and fun to look at. This was less than I would have expected. For me, it was the hero shot of Matt in the red suit again. Yeah, yeah. When he's walking to the window, and it just he just looks like he's slumped over. It looks like it looks like he's a headache. It looks like he's yeah, over like. Right. It's just, it should be this dramatic moment in which he's back in his classic outfit, and this is not. Yeah. I did really yeah. like the device of portraying the Supreme Court argument as a fight. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, wait a minute, did the Supreme Court just attack Matt? And then I, it, I had that same moment where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that. I like that instead of two pages of Matt arguing before the court and then questioning him, it's portrayed as a fist fight. So that was a fun yeah. way to do it. But I'm really curious to see if this actually means anything or if this is going to not mean anything. But it seems to me like it's a major thing they've done here. Right. Yeah, no, it, it definitely it, it does. And if it if it fuels something further, I will be very impressed. But yeah, it does, or if this is just a, you know, Charles Soule, who is a lawyer, having fun with a lawyer story and asking questions and things like that. It seems like they pick up on that. I also like that at the end. Kingpin punches the window out of anger, and we see the result of that. We almost never see that, where the yeah. people have to flee because there's glass flying uh, to the ground. Yeah. I mean, as an issue, I liked it. The art was problematic, but uh, right. we'll see. I'm looking forward to Daredevil being in his classic red suit. It will be nice. I'm curious what the direction will be. I feel like every one of these story arcs is ending a major direction in Daredevil, and like, and it, I'm waiting for it to move forward. And maybe that's the point in comics is that they never do move forward. But I just feel like, and maybe this, you know, you know, by signifying by ditching the the shadowy black costume and going back to the classic red, which still has a lot of black in it, but the, the classic red costume, you know, means that we're going to go in a different direction or do some different stuff with it. Do you know what my favorite comic book trend of the last couple of years is? I can only imagine. What is it? It's James Robinson appearing in comics as a character named James Robinson. <laughs> that, that, where did that happen? In Black Hammer number 12. Uh, oh, my God. You're right. It did. <laughs> I didn't realize we'd moved on. You're right. That is a good trend. I like that. They should keep that up. <laughs> Dr. James Robinson is the hero known as Dr. Star. Wink, wink, Starman. Yep. This is a flashback issue in which we... Learn the origins of Black Hammer's daughter, the, the characters yep. who showed up in the town. We see here his little girl at his funeral, where Doctor Star, Doctor James Robinson, gives the and it and it and it looks like him. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not it's not this isn't subtle. No. <laughs> it's James Robinson as his own hero. I thought this was a terrific issue. Black Hammer continues to be amazing. This issue, because this is one of those standalone kind of flashbacky ones, back to Black Hammer's daughter, we get uh, art by Dave Rubin or Rubin, or I don't know how to pronounce it. There's an accent on the eye there, Rubin. So Dean Ormston's not on as usual. But the world that this is created, the world that Jeff Lemire's created with this is just, it, this is so delightful. I mean, this like hands down, I would say buy the first trade. If you're not reading this, buy the first trade. And if you disagree with us, I don't know what to tell you because it, this is how comics should be, I feel like. There was only one criticism I had, and that was so she discovers her father's 
Batcave, the Hall of Hammer. Yeah. And yeah. that was just begging for a two-page spread. Yeah. When she walks in and you've got all these old-timey Silver Age you know, yeah, uh, that the, the welcome. And, yeah, the welcome to Hall of Hammers page where where she's walking in from the right, and yeah. there's all the the costumes and the pink stuff, or whatever. Yeah, that should have been a double base spread. Yeah. That, that was just begging for all kinds of fun Silver Age headquarters stuff, and you only got a little taste of it. That was my only disappointment. Uh, otherwise, yeah. this might have been my pick of the week. I didn't really pick one in my head, but this could have been this could have been it. Yeah. Basically. Well, it's funny because I feel like I feel like that's. That works or it works or doesn't work, but that's to be expected within what we've seen from Black Hammer because now 12 issues in, I still feel like we're getting a lot of superhero tropes. We're getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of not so transparent inspiration from both Marvel and DC, Mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, the entire series has always been a little reserved. Mm -hmm. I feel like with every one of these concepts, uh, Lemire is, okay, I'm pulling this from this subject and now I'm going to pull it back a couple inches. Right. So I wonder if the lack of going for it with a double page spread and diving into the Batcave kind of trope isn't part of that. I'm going to pull it back a little. You know, I'm going to be a little reserved, a little tighter, you know, and, and maybe I'm justifying it or whatever. But I but I, I feel like that falls in line with what the book has been up to this point. Are you saying you wouldn't want a cutaway shot at the Hall of Hammer? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I, I want. Didn't we have a cutaway shot in Black Hammer once already? We might have. I feel like we did. No, don't get me wrong. Any time I can get a cutaway shot or a map, cutaway shot or map. Or any sort of uh, data dump on vehicles, uh, <laughs> or costume dimensions and measurements. I would right. like any, yeah. But no, this is great. I mean, like if they did a spinoff series uh, with uh, David Rubin doing the art, yep. I'd be totally cool with that. I like you. Like I feel like you could build a whole universe around these characters and what's going on. And but I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want too much of this thing. I wouldn't want too much of it as well too. I feel like the the amount we're getting is just the right amount. One of the things I love about this book is that it actually finally made us look good and that we've been singing its praises, saying it's one of the best books and it, it won an Eisner for Best New Series. Normally, we, when we do that, it does not win an Eisner. Right, yeah. So this is one we finally got right. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So we'll take credit for Jeff Lemire's success. No, uh, great job, Jeff Lemire. I mean, it is great to see him finding his spot in superheroes, you know, because he had a hard time at DC. Did I see he's coming back at back to DC, by the way? Uh, I saw I saw him. I saw him talking about doing one of those metal one of the metal books. Maybe. Well, he's Scott Snyder's buddy, so it makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and every now and then it, it, it takes time. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, they announced it at San Diego that uh, in Dark Knight's Metal, uh, he's doing the Terrifics, mm. which is going to involve Hawkman, which with Jeff Lemire writing and Brian Hitch and Kevin Nolan on art. Interesting. So well, that should be interesting. Oh, no, no, wait, I'm sorry. It's Jeff Lemire and Ivan Rice. Ivan Reese? I don't know. Anyway, he's doing some sort of Hawkman thing for that. <laughs> if you're a Astro City fan, I think you need to be reading Black Hammer. Yeah, agreed. If you're no, if you're an Astro City fan, if you are a Silver Age Marvel DC Doom Patrol mm-hmm. Justice Society early of, I mean, it's really steeped in DC lore. I think. I think more so than Marvel. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you just need to be reading this. Just end of story. Cool. All right, well, let's take a moment and thank Harry's for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. And listen, you've heard us gush about Harry's these past couple of weeks. We were customers before they came on as an advertiser. And listen, guys, we all got to shave our face, right, Connor? Yes, must shave the face. You got to shave your face. And if you're going to shave your face, you really only one thing you want to consider, and that's Harry's. Because Harry's has done so much to make the shaving of the face 
both affordable as well as delightful. The first thing that got me about Harry's was the cost, is that it was cheaper than the other guys. I hated going to the to Walgreens and having to have them unlock the cabinet, and I feel like a criminal while they're doing it, you know. But and, and so now with Harry's, I get them shipped to my house. I'm paying, you know, what is it, like two bucks a blade, right? Less than two bucks a blade. Yeah. It's it's such such a deal. But on top of that, I was delighted to see that that the quality of the handle and of their shaving cream and everything was just top notch. I've never looked back after switching to Harry's, and so they're fantastic. I'm so confident you'll love Harry's to shave your face with that we welcome them as a sponsor. And they're so confident that you're going to love their blades. They want to give you their shave set on a trial basis for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash ifanboy. All you have to do is pay for the shipping. Over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's to shave their face. They've got their own factory in Germany with over 100 years of making razor blades. Um, and all their products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. And they offer their blades at half the price of all the other guys of the leading five-blade razors, selling them directly to you over the internet. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to claim the free trial offer from Harry's today, right now. No more waiting. In fact, many of you have taken to social media, to, taken to Twitter to confirm that not only have you taken this trial offer up, but now you see what we're talking about. Right, Connor? We enjoy those tweets very much. We do. Please keep them coming. In fact, I want a picture of someone actually shaving with the blade. I want that picture. Okay. Or a before and after picture. Yeah, that would be great, too. And so you can join in on the fun. Claim the free trial offer. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. All you got to do is cover the shipping costs. And with that free trial set, you're going to get a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and the trimmer blade, which I love, and you get a rich lathering shave gel and the travel blade cover, which is absolutely necessary because you don't cut up your hand like I've done. <laughs> so you can get all this for free. Go to harrys.com slash ifanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash ifanboy to get the free trial set. Harrys.com slash ifanboy. We thank them for their support and keeping me looking handsome. Your face will thank you. Yes. And anybody who has to touch your face or look at it. Secret Empire number nine. This is still happening. Still going on. All right. So, so I did not want to talk about it this week because I thought because we knew Josh was in rehab, right. and I didn't realize that. Are are you reading this? No. Okay. Did I add it? I thought you added it. <laughs> you added it. it was, oh, I added it. It was My on bad. the initial. It was on the initial email. Oh, I was surprised when I saw it on here. <laughs> we shouldn't talk in front of the children. <laughs> Why did you want to talk about it, Ron? Because uh, uh, this is challenging. Because you got Laniel Francis Yu. I, I basically, this experiment of having Laniel Francis Yu on this event book that ships biweekly is a failure. And more so in that we find out, you know, in this issue, we got Laniel Francis Yu with Joe Bennett. Okay. That's not two styles that work together. Yeah. And I've talked about how much I hate switching styles mid-book, mid-stream. Right. And those are two very different kind of styles that go in, you know, kind of opposite directions. But ultimately, what annoys me about this book is that. I get that you know the you know Dos Ex Machina of the Cosmic Cube is going to be a play, but it's just I can see it coming already. It's just going to be a big undo button. Yeah, well, that's the wacky undo button. That's what they do. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the next one comes out in two weeks. The final next one? one comes out in two weeks. Yeah, ten. Yeah, which I've already seen. It's you know people at Marvel tweeted that they got the cover, and it ends with there's a big fight in Washington D.C. and Captain America emerges with a Cosmic Cube powered armor. And Cosmic Cube-powered shield. Does it look like the old 90s armored cap? Yes, it really it kind of does, which I, th I find somewhat, you know, ironic. That's kind of that? funny. Yeah. So is this the book where Spider-Man's going to have to kill him? No, they've already, pa they've already blown past that oh, scenario. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to find out that he's not really a Nazi? Uh, probably. 
Oh, I know I want to talk about this. I just realized it's flipping through the pages. They have a bunch of villains that they that uh, Zemo and Hydra thought were too dangerous to have at large, so they kind of put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. They put them in tanks, and, and then Dr. Faustus has been reprogramming them, and they're about to wake them up, the army that sleeps, they call them. Uh-huh. And as they walk by them, one of them is the Grey Gargoyle. <laughs> Wait a minute. The Grey Gargoyle is too dangerous to keep around? Apparently, the Grey Gargoyle is a badass. <laughs> That's why I want to talk about it. it was, I was excited to see the Grey Gargoyle, albeit in uh, stasis. Long-time <laughs> listeners will, will know that Ron is a big fan of the Grey Gargoyle. Yep. <laughs> Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, 27. Ron, are you reading this? I am. Three reasons why I love this book. Number one, New Gods Family Intrigue. Yes. When they flash back to Darkseid's father, I just put my hands together and rubbed and said, let's do this. Let's get okay. deep in there. Two... Kyle Rayner's got slicked back Donnie Brasco hair. He does. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't have it before, but I'll go with it. And three, I love any book with a Cosmic Odyssey reference, even if, once again, makes no sense in the current continuity. However, you got three elements there I really love. And also, this is not an element to love it, but you, we talked about this last time, the terrible new Orion design, even though in the Mr. Miracle book, he looks like the classic Orion. Anyway. Well, that's what, that's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you if the Orion new headgear just undoes anything good about, this, about the book. No, it, it makes it a challenge. But when you literally have Kyle Rayner looking like a mobster, any opportunity to make him look bad is good for me. Did you know, I didn't know this, that they changed the New Gods story, I guess it was for the New 52, but I'm not sure when, to make... High Father and Dark Side Brothers. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Now that makes sense. I mean, that I could see why they would do that. That would make sense from a story standpoint because then you have conflict. Right. Right. But uh, I did not know that, and I was not expecting it. However, Yuga Khan. Anytime you bring in Yuga Khan, I'm all for it. It's like the only characters where I really get into their weirdo palace intrigue. Now, would you want a New God series, or is just like this kind of little detour enough for you? I would mm, – that is a good question. You see, like the, going back to the Inhumans question, do the Inhumans work better as a force that comes into the lives of uh, heroes in another, yes. or characters in another book? They're a spice. Yeah. They're a spice you don't want too much of. Mr. Miracle doesn't really count. It's a miniseries and it's very tightly focused. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about like new gods, and you've got on the cover, you got Dark Side, and you got High Father, and then you've got all the all you know all the characters beneath them, and it's like the world of Apocalypse, and what what is the other planet? Uh, uh, I was gonna say Asgard. Asgard. <laughs> uh, fuck! You just now yeah. you you wiped it from my head by asking me the question. I forget. But would you would you want new all Genesis. of those? New Genesis, that's what it is, New Genesis. Would you want the drama of New Genesis and Apocalypse on a, on a bi-weekly basis? Listen, I'm going to read it if that book comes out. Yeah. But, you know, I'd rather them just show up. I always like when they show up, it's like it's like when Galactus used to show up and it used to mean something, or the Watcher. Or, I mean, know. honestly, the Inhumans. Right. I mean, like, that was the thing, the Inhumans, whenever the Inhumans showed up, it was like, oh, shit, like something's going on, right? right. This, is, this is a big deal, yeah. Yeah, I like them better as a spice. I mean that that's the that's the thing about like we I mean I know we're we're just grumpy old men and and we're yelling at the sky embrace and it that's what I say yeah exactly but that's the thing about and I don't know if it was because of the limited publishing schedule because Marvel Marvel was barely in business or like they just you know they were they were publishing eight books a month and that's all they had to worry about whatever but like they showed more restraint mm-hmm. with stuff I mean and maybe going back to, like I said Black Hammer you know they held stuff back and so that it had weight when it happened right. and I feel like now it just throw everything at us all the time. 
You mean like X-Men Gold? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I know we're not talking about that book, but I feel like there's a conveyor belt with all of the characters from the X-Men in the 90s on it, and we're just rolling past <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> like and like every stereotypical um, character trait or aspect or storyline is yeah is being covered. I mean that's the thing. The, the the volume one trade paperback came out this week, and I laughed because the uh, the subtitle of the trade paperback was Back to Basics. I was like, oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about that book. The Commande Challenge, Commandy, Commandy, Commandy. How hard is it? I can't. I just can't. I have a block. Commandy. Okay. I thought this was my second favorite issue after the one that was pick of the week a couple of weeks. Well, you know why? Well, you tell me why, and I'll tell you why. Because it's, it's written by Keith Giffen. And. And with art by Steve Rude. And. And what else? I thought it was an incredibly clever story. Oh, of course, yeah. It's Keith Giffen. When has he not been clever? He's, he's basically just doing vaudeville. <laughs> so, Commandy, com- I got it right Thank that you. time, right? Commandy uh, watches up somewhere, and there's a species of goats and fighting a species of wolves, both of whom keep referring to the prophecy and the texts, and they keep calling Commandy Odysseus. They've found Homer's books, and they, they think that's prophecy. So, uh, there's a fight between the two because the wolves think he's Ulysses. The goats think he's Odysseus, and uh, I thought this was incredibly clever. A great way to look at a future world in which they discover a book. It's, it's sort of a commentary on religion, just you know, finding a text and taking it as gospel. Well, you, you know, you know where this borrows a, a page from. What's that? Star Trek: The Original Series. I could see that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, the, like so much of com- of you, know, you got me saying it. So much of Commandy is similar to those episodes of Star Trek where they go to a planet. Right. Like, there's the planet where they received, you know, radio updates or whatever of mobsters, and the whole planet was all mobsters, right? right. Like, right. like things like you know things like that, which I think God is. Damn, that you know, show was so good. The show was so good. It was so freaking good. I just want a piece of the action. <laughs> but uh, so um, uh, it was a horrible Shatner impression, by the way. Where's Josh when you need him? But th- that's the thing that I love about Commandy is that like so much of the original Jack run on Commandy was there would be little bits of our society that that was the origin of whatever situation he was in. And, and I like that Giffen picked up on that. And, and in the story, of course he did because he's amazing. Like so much of this Commandy challenge has been like – we're going to draw anthropomorphized animals and have Commandy be in crazy situations. And they were all kind of, remember, we were so bullish when the series started yep. and then it kind of dropped off on it because it was just like throw Commandy into crazy situation after crazy situation. But this really felt like a Jack Commandy story. It felt like it delved into the world and also, once again, done by high quality, world class creators, which yeah. has not been the case this entire run. Yeah. But I was really excited to see that the creative team and I was really happy when I finished reading it. This was another terrific issue of this book. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a good week for Keith Giffen. All, all we needed was a Justice League story, and we would have had the trifecta. Speaking of good weeks, good week for Nightwing. I'm sure you can imagine, Ron, by seeing the cover of Batgirl 14, in which we see Batgirl and Nightwing sort of back-to-back at odds in the background of cover, but in the foreground, we see them as Robin and young Batgirl in an adventure. Oh, I saw, I, when I saw that cover, I was like, oh, this is why we're talking about this. Despite the fact that that Robin costume is a crime against humanity, and I don't know why Batgirl would not wear a mask when she was young. However, putting that aside, this was another, I guess the theme this week will be fun stories that were hampered by the art. Interesting. Well, because well, I, I have a couple questions for you. Yeah. One is that are you, are you regularly reading Batgirl, or did you just read this because Nightwing's on the cover? No, no, I'm regularly reading it. So how long has Hope Larson been writing it? Since the, this current reboot. I didn't realize Hope Larson was on it. Like that's yeah. great. I think yeah, she's 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 a great writer. She's terrific. The story is terrific. It's just the Chris Wildgoose pencils, which also terrific name. 
Great name. Great name for the pencil. We've had this. We've, we've mentioned this before. I think it was with Wonder Woman in that the, the art's fine. It's good. This art's certainly better than the art that was happening in Wonder Woman. But it just comes off a little, a little tumblery. Interesting. Nightwing is drawn very feminized. He's very slight. He's not that much bigger than Batgirl, even in the modern day stories. Yep. Which just seems weird. This is not the way he's portrayed. But putting that aside, I thought this was a fun story in which Batgirl and Nightwing are on an adventure that is, you know, tied into how they met in the past. So it's a fun little neat, cute story. Does it match? Does it line up with your continuity with your no, Bible? No, of course not. No, no it's just, okay. I'm also fine with that because I think these stories should be allowed to be told over and over again differently. Okay. The characterizations are great. The Hope Larson writing is fantastic. She writes a fun Jim Gordon who's worried about his daughter. And Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon are really adorable together. So I enjoyed it despite my reservations. All right. Great. I'm glad. I just I just want you to have good Nightwing stories, Connor, in your life. That's all I want. I know. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's funny because we always, we often talk about you as the Batman guy, but I think you're more the Nightwing guy. Well, Nightwing, yeah, you know. Well, there, there's yeah. there's an essay there somewhere. There is a. Uh, there might be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is an exciting week, Ron. We're welcoming a new sponsor to the show. Thanks yes. to Boomerang for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. And this is exciting for people of our age, of people who like things from our era. Boomerang is a new subscription video app offering timeless cartoons, movies, and new original animated content, new series. Take a deep dive into their giant library of cartoon icons, including Bugs Bunny, Tom Jerry, Scooby Doo, and so much more. Just that, that, does it get any better than Tom and like I, I spent so many hours of Tom watching Tom and Jerry as a kid to this day that when my when I, when my nieces might be watching it, I sit down and watch. Well, those are the characters that I watch every day after school. Yeah, they're and great. I watch Looney Tunes every day after school for years. Yep, yep. So don't miss Boomerang's newest and most exclusive cartoon, the full engine overhaul of Wacky Races. And we, you know we like Wacky Races here. I can guarantee that this is better than the comic version. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss all new adventures featuring Dick Dastardly, Muttley, and the rest of the racers as they take on a wild ride filled with high-octane thrills. And of course, as you would expect, Wacky Comedy. And it's too bad that Josh isn't here because he loves doing those voices. Yeah, he does do a good uh, Muttley laugh, the, 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 that laugh, which I'm not even going to try. But okay, so Connor, where, where, can I, where can I watch all this? Well, you can watch your favorite cartoons on demand with Boomerang, available on web mobile, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, and Chromecast. You just visit boomerang.com slash promo and use the promo code FAN to start your free trial today. So if you want to relive those cartoons, if you have kids and you want to introduce them to the cartoons you watched as a kid, Boomerang is a great place where they're aggregating together all those classic cartoons. And I love that they're on, I mean, I use Chromecast at home. I use Apple I, TV. My, so my sister go. uses Amazon Fire. I've got my, my, and my girlfriend's parents use Roku. Like, they're really smart to put on everything. So go to boomerang.com slash promo and use promo code FAN. That's F-A-N. F-A-N. Relive your childhood with us. And also, it's another free trial set. So you don't have to yeah. pay anything. Check it out. It can't hurt. Labor Day weekend's coming up. You got nothing but time on your hands. Watch some old cartoons. Listen, Looney Tunes is enough for me for my money, but like you throw in Tom and Jerry and Scooby Doo, um, it's like, come on, jackpot. Right. There you go. So thank you, Boomerang. Boomerang.com slash promo. So, patron pick. As we mention every week, our lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy get to vote to include a book on the rundown, and they discuss it on the patron page, they discuss it on the Facebook group. There's a thriving community around this patron pick. And this week, the lobby was lobbying hard for Nightwing, The New Order, number one, which we should mention outlasted the other books by a two-to-one margin. And I feel like Nightwing, The New Order, number one, really needed to have a warning on the cover. 
<laughs> this is written by Kyle Higgins, who used to write Nightwing long ago. He's got a long storied history of the character, knows the character really well. Art by Trevor McCarthy, colors by Dean White. Yeah, always good. So this is interesting. <laughs> it needs a war it needs a goddamn warning on the cover. Explicit use of rebar. And yeah, you you, like you you patrons, sons of bitches who made us read this because they knew it had rebar in it. I see right through you. I know your ruse. Bastards. It's rough and it's right. It's like page two and not how you're expecting it. So I have a question for you, Connor. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just slap an Elseworlds logo on this cover, too, while we're at it? Well, it should be, and I don't know why DC refuses to use the Elseworlds designation. Because this was great. I thought it was great, and I was like, this is an Elseworlds story. Awesome. It is 100%, much like Superman American Alien or the Batman one that's coming out. I don't know why they don't put Elseworlds on those books. I guess they're afraid people won't read them because they're not, quote-unquote, real. But this was terrific. It, it's funny because... I mentioned Detective Comics. It must have been last week. The flash forward story in which Tim Drake has got a totalitarian rule over Gotham City and Batwoman is trying to stop him. This is very, very, very similar in which Dick Grayson has a totalitarian rule over, I guess, the country or the world. I don't. Know. I didn't know what the expand. I just thought it was Gotham. But if it's larger than that, I'll. Well, he took out all I, the superheroes, so you have to imagine right, yeah. the whole country at least. You can tell. There's a little bit of authoritarian anxiety happening in the comic book community right now. So we're getting these kind of stories. But in this story, for some reason, which we haven't learned yet, Nightwing and his flowing 80s hair decides no more superheroes. And he takes them out. And that's, that happened in the past. We only get flashbacks to that in the future. He heads this organization that monitors superpowered beings and keeps them at bay. This is taking place in Gotham City in 2040. And I thought this was terrific. I liked this a lot. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was. I thought it was really, really good. I mean, Nightwing's silly, almost mullet hair aside. Yeah. But again, people seem to like that in Nightwing. I don't know why. Well, for some reason, I expect I, I, I expect some sort of interesting haircut. Especially, it takes place in tw- what, 2040, right? Yeah. So we don't know what the future is going to be like. We assume there'll be weird futuristic haircuts, but maybe they're feathered Farrah Fawcett-esque 70s haircuts. Right. Could be. I really enjoyed the scene with old Alfred and yep. Nightwing's um, Rob Night, Nightwing Robin Dick Grayson. It's like having three kids. Yep. Dick Grayson's son, who there's a big twist, and we don't want to spoil it because I bet people didn't read it. But I like that scene a lot. I like I always like Dick Grayson and Alfred because it's kind of like Alfred's first grandkid. Yeah, you know he has the most affection for him, but also holds him to the highest standard. So the disappointment he feels and how what's happened is also stinging. Yeah, I like that in his son's room he has a Superman doll, but Superman's wearing the trunks, even <laughs> though in the opening scene he's not wearing the trunks. So this proves that it's Elseworlds. I also like that he has a poster of his dad as Nightwing. He's got two. Yeah, yeah, he's got One two. One on each side of the bed. But but they they established earlier when he signed the autograph that he was famous, right? So yeah. like that makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, he knows his dad's Nightwing. I, the Trevor McCarthy art was fun. It's a different look than than most comics. Uh, I thought this was great. Yeah, this is this was uh, this was a fun, it was a blast to read. I probably would have read it if they didn't make it the patron pick. Really. Um, yeah, well, because I, I like Kyle Higgins' writing, and, and uh, the cover kind of got me. That Paul Pope cover, the variant cover, looks great on it. But I would have checked it out. I think I, the cover alone would have had me at least look at it, and then I would have realized what it was, and I would have watched it. Uh, I mean, read it. Oh, yeah, the Paul Pope cover is terrific. The funny thing about the patron pick is it's usually – we like to say that you know we have a pretty good insight in the industry, so we tend to know – I was going to read this too, but it was on my, on my list. But we, we tend to know what we want and what we like, and we tend to read that anyway. So there tends to be – Rare that we find a book on these picks that we like. Right. To put it mildly. Right. 
But this one I liked a lot. This one was right up our wheelhouse. And I know that there was, again, like I said, there's a certain population that wanted us to read it just for that rebar scene. And listen, we can read a comic with a rebar scene. That's, I mean, I, I'm man enough to get through that. So you're not, this, it's going to take more to, to, to shock me to my core. Ratings. 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 I'm give it a four. I'm going to give it a four as well. Sticking with it. Yes, because I want to support Elseworlds. Yes, I do as well. Even if they don't call it Elseworlds, I'll be reading it. So there you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's how you can vote on the books every week. In addition to that, Ron, every week we like to thank people who have supported us through Patreon.com slash iFanboy by giving them superpowers. I know yes. we're not supposed to use the word dumb anymore, but... Interesting, I believe, is the term. Non-tactical. Non-tactical. That's a good one. Well, they could be tactical sometimes. Yeah. With the right leader in charge. <laughs> With the right leader in charge. All right. <laughs> so our, our first patron that we want to thank is Mark... Mark M. Mazalukas. 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 Mark, you know who you are. Mark can turn his head completely in a 360 degree, like he can just turn it around, spin his head around. What? <laughs> he can like, you know how you turn your head to the right? And yeah, I, get, I get it. I just don't try to figure out how it doesn't sever his spinal cord. Well, that's part of it. Is, is or his, his skin. Main? Yeah, well, that, that that's why it's a weird power. It's, it's so he can completely turn it, rotate his head 360 degrees. Hmm. I don't know what the practical use of that is. He can literally, if someone's snickering behind him, he can turn around and look at him. It's freaky when you see it happen, though. Wow. So does that mean his? Can he like be stabbed in the neck and and not die then? Like this? No, he can still die. No, it's not like his it's his neck is made of other stuff. He can just rotate it 360 degrees. I'm not a doctor. I I, I do not have a medical degree. <laughs> So my lawyers warned me not to explain how this works. Edward Kolkebeck, his power is that, you know how like the Taskmaster can see any fight style and replicate it perfectly? Okay. Edward can see any dance moves and he's perfectly able to replicate them. Interesting. So any style of dance, but it has to be dance, you know, ballet, hip hop. Line okay. dancing, anything you want, any kind of dance. He can he can stand outside a Zumba class for an hour, pick it all up, and replicate and just dial it. right in. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Cool, good for him. Yeah. All right, we want to thank Mike Coonrad uh, or Conrad, Mike Conrad, Coonrad. Con- I don't know. I'm having a hard time pronouncing his name. Mike, Mike C. He can throw his voice like he can he can project his voice like ventriloquism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Pretty much like in, in a very wide, long distance, except that the voice is rip-torn. Only rip-torn. Yeah. So you might be somewhere, Arr. and you're just, you're just like, all right, let me through. I'll be like, was that rip-torn? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there it is. Arr. I'm hungry. <laughs> Where do you want to go for dinner? Um, I'm looking just to make sure we haven't pronounced his name right. So you vamp for a second. This is a okay. very long list, and I'm almost at the end. Five ninety nine. Oh no, it's spelled correctly. Okay, it is Mike Coonrad. Okay, good. Yeah, it's Mike Coonrad. Yeah, I just don't know how to pronounce I it. I want so. to make sure there wasn't a typo. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Finally, Ethan Johnson, who's like a very stout name of a guy who goes and settles the West. Yes, it is. Ethan Johnson can. I don't. I don't think we've done this one. We might have done this one. He can turn fifty percent translucent. I don't know if we've done that one. I don't think we have. So, so he can't turn. He's not full invisibility. No, but like you're not quite sure if he's there. It's like a it's a lot like a lot of girlfriends I've had. 
you know, if he stood in the shadows, he might be, it might work. Right. But uh, he can only turn 50%. Like if he's in Photoshop, only down to 50% of uh, translucent. All right. There it is. So there you That's go. That's a good set of powers, guys. I, I worked hard on these powers, by the way. I thought about them in advance. Yeah. You made diagrams. Yeah, I got I got maps. I got I got I got medical. I got X-rays. Exactly. I got cutaways. I got maps. I got everything you need. So go to Patreon.com/ifanboy, and there you can sign up to become a supporting patron. Any patron who signs up for any amount gets to vote on the book that the patron pick each week, as well as participate in our monthly hangouts. We just had one. It was awesome. Uh, you can watch the replay of that on patreoncom ifanboy if you're a paying patron. Patrons of five dollars or higher can get their interesting superpower. And we've got more ways for you to help support ifanboy. You go to ifanboy.threadless.com where you can buy our T-shirts. The if one is electro shirt is selling like hotcakes get yours today and you can go to ifanboy.com support and there you could shop via amazon or leave a direct donation via paypal we thank everyone for their support and we are now officially less than 400 away from our next goal on patreon so we had a we had a big influx of new patrons this week please keep it going patreon.com ifanboy thank you for your support Let's some audience questions lucas from nulenbach austria says how far do you think we are away economically as well as ideologically from ads in collected editions. And I'm going to say we are nowhere near that, and I don't think we ever will be. Well, doesn't it change the designation of what the book is it if there's ads in it? It does. So comics can comics can ship with ads because they are periodicals. Right. Right. And books, on the other hand, like you don't see – well, you see in-house ads for books, you know, but like – in regular books as well as collected editions of books, they're, they're sold through the book market, and that is not an advertising-based platform. Yeah, I feel like it changes. It's now a periodical, now not a book anymore, yeah. so I think they wouldn't do that. Now, I'm reading through the lines of this question, and what he's assuming is that are the companies doing poorly and thus would need to add another revenue stream of having more ads, and you are overestimating the amount of revenue they get from ads in the first place. It's like nothing. Yeah, ads are not a primary business for any of the publishers. They they do them like Marvel and DC do them because they have ad sales force in place and that it's money they can take and it's Free set money. up to do that yeah. and they're going to do it right exactly. But you know, there's a reason why Image and Dark Horse and and Boom and Dynamite and stuff like that don't go too deep with ads and ad sales just because it just it's a, it doesn't it's not worth it. It doesn't pay off. The circulation's too low to really. Make a exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I will go out on a limb and say I don't think we'll ever see ads in collected editions because they're sold at bookstores and they don't want that. In fact, I think the money they would lose by putting them in wouldn't even make up for the ad, the money they'd get from putting them in. Yeah. You know, I would be less likely to buy a collection if that ads in it. I yeah. A lot of people would. Agreed. Yep. All right, our next email is from Juan from Los Angeles. It says, hey, guys, hearing you guys on the monthly hangout really got me thinking about the current state of mainstream comics and its appeal to the new generation of writers and artists. This question has actually been on my mind for two months, but your discussion just added to my concern. I say concern because in my four months of attending a creator's workshop, I've noticed that the majority of young up, up, upcoming artists and writers don't care for mainstream comics. Instead, manga and indie comics seem to be the big draw. I know this isn't an isolated incident, as eight years ago I couldn't find a fellow Big Two reader in my high school, but I could find dozens of manga and throw peers. Sorry for the long setup, but how can the Big Two appeal to this new generation of creators? Personally, I think the current stories produced by mainstream comic publishers are some of the best we've had in years, but I can't find anyone around my age range to whom discuss this with. I'm 27, by the way. Uh, I mean, we, we discussed so in, the, in, the, in this month's patron hangout. I don't remember how we got in this topic, but the topic of possibly one of the reasons why there's a dearth of new creators in comics is because kids don't tend to grow up wanting to be comic book creators. Right. Like when I was in high school, literally everybody in my art club was trying to be Jim Lee. And one yeah. kid is actually pretty close. He was really good. I thought you 
<laughs> Sorry, I was going to go with something else. Go on. He was pretty good. He was really good artist, but, he, but yeah. everyone was trying to ape Jim Lee. Everyone in the class wanted to be him. That was 1993. Okay. If you went to a art club and randomly picked in high school now, you probably wouldn't find anyone trying to draw like a DC or Marvel artist. You'd probably find manga artists. You'd probably find a more webcomic-y. Yep. That's how we got in this discussion. I don't know that there is anything you can do about it. My thought was less about how do you get these creators to be interested in mainstream comics and more how do you get those readers to be interested in mainstream comics before they become creators. And I think part of that is I think the big two needs to start embracing these next generation of creators a little more because like it's it's funny because I th- I feel like manga as an influence has been – it's that's been like a looming thing that we've seen on the horizon for what – 10 plus years now, right? Longer. Yeah, Yeah, longer. And I think that mainstream comics has been proud of their differentiation from that world. And I think that maybe they, 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 they could lean into it a little more and try to bridge those gaps a little more. Um, and I don't know if that's changing the format, doing more digest size, doing, you know, kind of, you know, longer, you know, re-looking at the whole publishing approach. But I think it's less about how do you get those creators interested? And I think, how do you get them before they're creators? Right. They've got to be readers first. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that there's something really compelling and interesting to take somebody who's doing really great work and have them come over and work in the world of the mainstream. But the but generally the direct market doesn't support that. Like if they got Kate Beaton to do a Batgirl comic, I don't think it would do very well. You know, if they got Raina Telemeyer to do a um, to do anything, the Runaways or whatever, I don't think it would do very well because I don't think the direct market is positioned in a way to support anything other than what we we've, we've been weaned on for the past thirty years. Right. The audience isn't gonna be there for it. Yeah. It's tough. Comics may just be at a point where this is what they are and this is who's reading them and that's what it is. Yeah. Kids who are in high school are experiencing these characters in the movies. Right. But for whatever reason, don't want to read about them. Yeah. Like everyone's talking about, you talk about the movies and and the movie's going to bring readers. It's been how many years? Like they're not coming. It's not happening. Right. And I don't, you know, and I, I feel bad because I went to see, what was it? When I saw Spider-Man, there was a local comic shop in the lobby that was, you know, that was giving out comics. I thought it was great because you, you should do that and you got to do it. But it's like, oh, man, it's it's rough. And it's got to be tough to be someone who is Juan's age uh, and not have any any friends or, or peers who are into your who you're into. That's why we're here. And that's why the rest of that fanboy community here is comment on the website, become a patron, talk about it with the other patrons. Um, you know, like that's that's the that's the that that's the challenge i guess you know it's it's you got to find people who are into the stuff that you're into and that's that's been that's that's always been i mean we've always i've always struggled with finding people to talk about this sort of stuff that's why we created i fanboy Juan's in los angeles there's tons of events in, in la that are yeah. comic based go to those events and meet people that's yeah. where you'll find yeah. people you know your age or around your age who are into into that yep. well thank you for the email Juan, and thank you lucas you can email us at Contact ifanboy.com. If you've got any questions, be sure to let us know who you are, where you're from, how long you've thought about this. And it's always great to hear from you. Please keep in touch. So we got more stuff coming for you all the time. We want to keep more stuff coming for you. We got a Talksplode coming up. That's our interview podcast. It's going to be coming out in a couple of days with Kieran Gillen of Marvel and Image Comics. So it's going to be good to check in with Kieran. So stay tuned to that on the feed. That should be out midweek this week. And that was a patron unlocked show. Yes, it was. Every month we have the books blowed and the talks blowed, uh, yeah. or every other month. We also have Batman Mask of the Phantasm show where me and Paul Montgomery and Ryan Haupt, the Animation Brain Trust, talked about that film. That's a couple shows back on the feed. You can find that there. It's just there. It's just there. Hang and on. you've got another you've got another animated movie podcast coming up. Yes, right? we have Batman and Harley Quinn that comes out on Blu-ray on August 29th. We'll probably do the show. Man, September is looking rough. Yeah. Sometime in September. 
But there's going to be a lot yes. of shows in September, so it's going to be hard to schedule. It sure is. And another show that might be in August, might be September, might already be out. Who knows? Uh, that's going to be us talking to Defenders. The new series, uh, the new Marvel Netflix series is out. It's been out for a week. Connor has done his diligence. He has finished it. I have started it. I'm finishing it as quickly as possible, and then we will talk about it, get it out. Uh, and so you can keep an eye on that on the feed as well, too. Uh, that will be coming soon. A lot of shows coming in the next six weeks. And, and I realized the other day, like, are you going? I'm not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's all that. Maybe I will. But are you going to see the Inhumans in uh, IMAX? No. Okay. So, But we're going to do a show about it, right? We should. We'll do a show about the Inhumans pilot yeah. sure yeah as we all as we often do we always yeah. do the first episode of that sort of thing and so we'll do, we'll do an inhumans thing and i don't know if yeah may, we get the fall tv's coming and I, I realized that i was on the subway this morning and i saw an ad for the not star trek show that we're gonna like right uh what is it called the the, the uh, not voyager it's got a bad name v, v, Viger, the orwellian it's got a bad name yeah I the porcelian <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> what, what is it the orville the orville, the orville that's yeah. what it is and I was like, oh, wow. And it's like said September 10th. I was like, shit, that's soon. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I'm not ready. Anyway, so those shows are coming soon. Also coming soon, in fact, next week is the pick of the week, number 600. So that'll be coming at you next weekend. We're going to do it live. So if you're around Saturday, September 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, we're going to do a live all-email show. That's where we talk about the pick of the week. We jump right into the emails. We do that for a couple hours. We might drink. It'll be fun. I'm planning on it. I'm planning on it. I'm already, I'm already plotting what, what I'll be drinking. So. I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Send your emails for the show to contact at ifanboy.com. Mark them 600 in the subject line. The deadline for getting your emails in on the show is, we'll do September 1st. So that's Friday at noon. Friday at noon, New- September 1st. That's your deadline. Anything that comes in after that won't get in the show. We will have too many emails anyway. We have a lot already. I was looking at the inbox. I was like, ooh, it's going to be a long one. I, I say, listen, we just go for it this time. <laughs> it's 600. How often do you do that? Right. Yeah. And like, and like often we've like, we get a little drunker. We start skipping around. We get tired. But like, I'm on East Coast time, man. Let's just do it. Let's just <laughs> do it. So we're going to commit to this without talking to the guy. Because that's, that well, that's the thing. Previously, I feel like last time we did this, I was in California, right? Yes. And with you and me in California, we started a time, and Josh, Josh you know when Josh starts getting tired? <laughs> gets cranky. You know, yeah, he gets cranky, and the hair starts going up, and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. But, but now we're both on the East Coast time. We're starting a little earlier than usual. That's true. You know, I'd say we go for it. i say we try right. to get as many of those questions done as possible. All right, so if you want to get in the show, contact at ifanboy.com. Subject 600, deadline, September 1st at noon. Any subject you want. Nothing's off the table. We're not guaranteeing we're going to answer, though. Any subject you want. That's great. So, uh, yes, looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. In the meantime, head over to ifanboy.com where you'll be able to find the post with the feed, with the with the live stream for that show, as well as all the posts for the previous podcast and things like that. And you can go over to – not don't miss a single thing. Go over to facebook.com slash ifanboy and follow us on Twitter at ifanboy. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show even comes out so you can have a direct line on what's going on. And if you want to, you can follow us individually on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ronxo. Connor is at C.S. Kilpatrick, and Josh is at J.A. Flanagan. Also, if you're a patron, you can check out the patron page to find out what the voting was for the top five patron picks. Yes. That's, that's something that's for fun. patrons only. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes for any podcast you listen to. We're not saying it has to be glowing or a rave or even coherent, but you know, if you have thoughts on it, please leave us a review. It's how people find podcasts. If you want to type, if you don't want to actually use your fingers to create words, just click on a star rating. That helps as well. So anything, yeah. anything you can do for any podcast you listen to, it helps them all very much. So thank you very much for that. Yep. And that is it.
That's going to wrap it up. It's been a fun week. Summer's almost over. Listen, I was all set because it was like 90-something degrees earlier this week. And I'm like, oh, we haven't complained about the heat in a while. And then now it's back down to 75. Oh, oh, so. oh. We're getting a major heat wave here next week. So oh, are you? All right, it cool. might hit the tail end. Of the, the tail end of it might be during the show. So that might be fun. All right. Excellent. Well, that'll as, be fun. As you right, watch, well. my, <laughs> I'm just going to warn you now, heat waves tend to bring power outages in my neighborhood. So that'll be fun. Oh, thing to worry about. Even better. Oh, just bring it on. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So stay tuned until next time. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Oh, there's no Josh. Yeah. No, no Josh. Poor guy. Just your face. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Got 99 pounds and bitch ain't one. <laughs> you crazy for this one?